Hi, everyone. I'm Jill Smokler, and I've got issues. I've got a ton of issues, actually, and I'm pretty sure you do, too. And I'm positively sure we'll both feel better having talked about them. And that's what this podcast is all about. So let's get started. Zoe Kors is a certified sexologist, sex and intimacy coach, and author of Radical Intimacy, Cultivate the Deeply Connected Relationships You Desire and Deserve, which you can buy wherever you buy books. Today's issue is intimacy or lack of, and not to worry if you aren't having any or enough sex, this isn't just about sex. I asked Zoe to start out by explaining the three types of intimacy she breaks down in her book. So the three kinds of intimacy that I define are physical, emotional, and what I call energetic. And so I I find that a lot of couples who walk through the door, they um, one of them is really craving an emotional connection, a deep emotional connection. And sex is a way to get that deep emotional connection. Mm-hmm. And unless they have that deep emotional connection, they don't want to, they don't feel safe enough to open up physically. The other partner has a, um, they don't feel safe enough to open up and be vulnerable emotionally unless there's a physical connection. Their go-to and the way that they, they're like an, uh, a physical intimacy type versus an emotional intimacy type. And, and that is, I think m- many men probably the, if I were to actually do a study, I think that probably m- more men are, are naturally physically oriented, physical intimacy mm-hmm. types. It's not always though. And I know in my own marriage, I'm much more, I'm, I'm a very emotional person as you might imagine, but when it comes to sex, it's really all about the physical for me. And my husband really loves to connect deeply and emotionally around sex And I am like, God, I don't want to talk about how I don't want to be, you know, I don't need to feel anything. I just want you to smack my ass, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So there is that, those sort of, um, with, with couples, it can be really helpful to understand that, you know, he doesn't just want to get off. He actually feels connected to me through physical contact, through physical intimacy. Like mm-hmm. it, it sort of opens up my understanding a little bit more and, and of my partner, right? So one thing that I have known is that there's this other kind of intimacy called energetic intimacy that is often neutral ground for couples who are sort of trying to connect in in two different ways. And energetic intimacy, you'll find in like shared experiences, right? Like cooking dinner together or going on a road trip together or, um, you know, there's a good example of energetic intimacy is like when you go to a rock concert, you know, and everybody is united in singing the song that everybody loves so much. And you look around, there's just, there's all this like sort of energy in the arena, you know, that's energetic intimacy with a, with a large group of people. So Mm -hmm. you can have those experiences too, like just 
just take a walk in nature and, and, you know, or sit, sit together side by side and watch a sunset and think about like, wow, like how moving it is. That's, that's a, a sort of a form of energetic intimacy. And those are, those are connective moments. You can find many of them throughout the day, a moment of eye contact. I love for couples to do a 30 and 30 where they do 30, 30 seconds of uninterrupted eye contact followed by a 30 second hug, which is Mm. how long it takes approximately to take three deep, long breaths together. Like that's an energetic moment and those are connective. And so you can, when one wants to have sex and the other wants to have a, you know, a soulful conversation and, and you're sort of, you know, trying to, to get aligned in that, do something like eye gaze or taking a walk or, you know, looking at the moon together. And that's a, that's a a connective moment that can help bridge that gap. Okay. Give me some examples. In the book, in Radical Intimacy, um, I have a whole slew of exercises and I've broken the book down into um, five sections, a, an introduction, but the three main sections of the book are each kind of intimacy. So we start with emotional intimacy. And at the end of that part of the book, there are all of these exercises to um, cultivate emotional intimacy with yourself, with someone else, a, a partner, uh, a romantic partner, but also like a friend or family mm-hmm. member or right? It's not only for people in relationship and the world, which is a whole different sort of aspect of intimacy with the world, which might sound like an oxymoron, but I make a case for, um, for intimacy with, with the world. Um, like for instance, the rock concert, you know, that's energetic Mm -hmm. intimacy with the world, with a community. Um, so, Yes, there are exercises for for individuals and all individuals in relationship or not. This is like I was saying, we can only meet each other to the extent that we can meet ourselves. So we better be meeting ourselves intimately in order to mm-hmm. form relationships with others. So um, <clears throat> yes, for for emotional intimacy, um, you can you know, this is hard work. This is not just, you know, like a little, you know, I brush my teeth and I think about how I feel and that's intimacy. But, um, but to really take a look at, um, the nuance of emotion. And I put in the book, um, an emotion wheel, a wheel of emotion. You can Google that as well. Many people have a version of it. Um, I've sort of optimized mine uh, the way I feel it should be, but there are plenty of very good wheels of emotions out there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, you can see that like when you look at the nuance of emotions, you can start to look at, you know, I feel really angry and do I feel angry because I feel rejected or do I feel angry because I feel resentful Or do I feel angry because I feel outraged? You know, like there are a lot of different sort of flavors of these feelings that we, we just sort of, um, we just sort of generalize, you know, and, and really spending some time with the disc, with the discomfort of what we 
call negative feelings um, can be really productive. It's mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Um, it's lo- it can be lonely. It can be aggravating, um, really disruptive, and it's really, really valuable, you know, to sit in that sort of conflicted feeling within ourselves, to work mm-hmm. through it and to start to really understand what's going on with me. Why am I so angry? Why am I so lonely? Why am I so depressed? Why am I so anxious? You know, all of those things to really, um, to really start to answer those questions for ourselves. Um, you know, physical intimacy, there's all kinds of physical intimacy that can be going on, not just self-pleasure or masturbation, but, um, you know, where are the organs in your body? Do you know, when was the last time you looked at, you know, yourself in the mirror? All, all of those things, you know, what, what about your five senses? That's how we meet the world. You know, what's happening? How do, how are you orienting in your world? Um, you know, that's a, there's great exercises in there for really getting a much, uh, more heightened awareness of our physicality, um, and energetic intimacy, you know, there's a good old way to sit on a cushion and listen and just be, just be with yourself. What's normal? Is there any normal in all of this talk? I guess that's my question. Yeah. Um, gosh, Jill, you and everybody else, like that is, that is the question, right? Um, here's what I can say. We're all normal because there is no normal. Everybody has a, a, a slightly different and unique experience. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm not trying to skirt the issue here. I think that really what the question is, isn't, am I normal? You, whatever you're experiencing, it's safe to say you're normal. Um, and I do a lot of validating people in that way. Like this feels to you like, you know, extreme or tragic or worrisome or, but you are not alone. Like everybody is struggling in some way with some aspect of sex and sexuality, individually, relationally, all of it. The thing that is, that makes me sad, that hurts my heart is when, um, people are unhappy and don't know what to do about it and feel Mm -hmm. like there is nothing to do about it or feel stuck or defeated or depressed or lonely in their relationships. Um, it's, there is always something that you can do about it. And sex is always something that can be worked on and needs to be worked on over time. Um, and that work can be fun. (laughs) It can be grueling. It can be, uh, you know, it can, it can be, you know, a form of grieving. It can be a celebration. Um, but it, it's something that needs to be, um, talked about and worked with. So, um, I think that's really when I, when I hear that so many people are in sexless marriages, um, and I believe it, I was in a sexless marriage in my twenties, when I hear that people are in sexless marriages and want to know if it's normal, yeah, it's normal, but it's also not optimal. Okay. What about us single folks? Because I'm feeling a little bit left out. Okay. You ready for this? 
This is for every single person um, individually, not not relationally, but as an individual, as a human being, um, take a shower or a bath. You can do either one and take 20 minutes to really experience every sensation in the shower every one of them, like feel the water in your hair, feel the shampoo, smell the shampoo, listen to how the, the water sounds or the drain sounds. Every, all five senses really indulge in all five senses and see what happens, you know, fix the lights, put some music on if that's what appeals to you, put essential oils in the in the water, diffuse oils or whatever, you know, bubbles, great. Washcloth, yep. the way that warm, you know, when a washcloth gets really warm and it's, um, and you can put it on your skin and it's just like a blanket. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Like really delight in all five senses and stop worrying about this, that, and the other thing. Put everybody on hold, tell the kids I'm going in here don't, don't talk to me for an hour, you know, like just really clear that space and prioritize yourself. It doesn't have to get sexual. It can just, you don't have to look in the mirror, just really enjoy and savor all five senses. Yeah, I, I think it, the first step is to find out, like, who is it that doesn't want to have sex? Like, is does one partner want it more? Does, is one sort of resisting? Um, or is it just sort of all evaporated and nobody's really interested in having sex? Um, was there ever good sex happening? Was there, was there sex that you were inspired to have at some point? Um, all of those things really help to define the path forward. So um, very often, I mean, you know, it, it makes sense to think that every couple has some degree of desire discrepancy, right? Because how can two people spend a long time together and always want the same amount of sex? Like that doesn't yeah. really happen. So everybody is navigating some degree of you know, wanting sex, feeling rejected, you know, feeling uninspired, wanting sex, but the sex isn't the kind of sex that you want to be having. And so then, you know, you're sort of, if you're in a monogamous relationship, then you, you're sort of at a um, little bit of a, of a standstill there. Um, And I think that, you know, for many people, they just didn't prioritize sex or a sexual connection. And for many people, like they, I hear a lot of women say, like, I, I always had great sex with assholes, but, you know, Mm. once, but, you know, once I finally met like the guy who's the greatest guy in the world, he's just the totally devoted partner and he's a great dad and like, he's a provider and, oh my God, he's the man of my dreams. Only the sex isn't good. Um, so there's, there's a lot there. There's a lot of dynamic and usually what I, what I kind of try to, um, pull apart is the, the, the sort of entanglement of the way we think about sex and the way we feel when we have sex. 
and um and then you sort of that gets that gets sort of exponentially more complex when you're in a relationship and you're you're working with both partners in the way that they're thinking about sex and um mm. and each other and the relationship and all of it it's complex We have a phone number, which is 443-470-3473, where we asked for people's intimacy issues. And we got back more answers than we have for any other question we've posed, which is no surprise. Uh, The first one we got was, my spouse and I do it, and it's sort of like X'd out, so I'm not going to read the exact number, X times a week. Is that normal? There is no one answer. There are couples who have sex once a month and they're fine with that. There are couples that have sex three times a week and they're fine with that. Um, There are some couples who have sex every day. You know, if you've been together for a long time, say over five years, five, 10 years, and you're having sex uh, once a week, I hats off to you. I think that's probably uh, a good, you know, cadence. Um, A sexless marriage is defined as having sex less than once a month, fewer times than once a month. So, yeah. So most people think of a sexless marriage as no sex at all. And there are plenty Mm -hmm. of people who are living in, in a true no sex marriage, but Um, It is considered sexless if you have sex once a month. Um, So that gives you some idea. And there's plenty of of data, plenty of studies about um, overall marital satisfaction being tied to a satisfying sex life. Hmm. So um, it is important. I mean, it's important to be on the same page and it's important to talk about it. There are people who, who identify themselves as asexual meaning mm-hmm. having no interest in sex at all. And, um, and that's fine. If that's something that is, you know, um, either, you know, individual or in a relationship, if that's an agreement that you've made with each other, far be it from me to tell you that you should be having sex. Mm-hmm. But if it is something that is not agreed upon and it's not, you have, you're, you're, you haven't really explored it and, and examined what is going on with you individually and then relationally, that can cause a problem. Okay. Here's another question from our community. My spouse never wants to have sex. That's my issue. Look, there are people who who live their entire lives without having sex, plenty of them, you know, and there are people who, who live their entire lives very intentionally without having sex. Think of monks or nuns or... Um, so there's no physical requirement for, it's not like you, you absolutely have to have sex to exist. Um, but it is, I mean, there is a lot of sexual activity is good for your pelvic region. It increases blood flow. It regulates, uh, your nervous system. And, um, there are plenty of sort of physiological benefits of having sex, Um, I, there, there are, you know, depending on what, if you do yoga and you, uh, meditate and, um, 
and you've heard of the term Tantra. Um, there are a lot of, or Taoism, there are a lot of sort of spiritual practices that um, talk about life force energy and um, Kundalini and Shakti and, um, and sex, even solo sex, can really stimulate the, that energy in the body, life force energy. So, you know, you'll often, if you think back to a time in your life when you were having a lot of sex and you felt really good, and there's that sort of vitality that starts to happen when you're having sex, we come alive, whether you sort of describe it in Sanskrit terms on the yoga mat, or you, you know, look at your nervous system and what's happening there and, you know, endorphins and dopamine and all the things that, that happen, all the neurochemicals that are, that are released during orgasm. Um, you know, sex is healthy. Now, are those, all of that stuff that happens during partnered sex that gives us the rush and everything you just talked about, can you get as close with solo sex? Because absolutely, I really you can you can really <laughs> not just get off, but you can like really get all the other benefits that come with an active sex life. Yes, I mean, look, you you have to be in relationship with yourself for that to happen. You you it isn't just getting off just as partnered sex is not just getting off. There is, um, there's a relationship that you can cultivate with yourself that is, and like, you know, solo sex or masturbation or self-pleasure is actually a wellness practice. You're, you're making love to yourself. You're seducing yourself. You are, um, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's a part perspective, but it's also part how you're approaching, like the mechanics of a self-pleasure session um, looks a little bit different than it does just getting out your vibrator and, you know, getting right to business and having an orgasm as quickly as possible. That's not really going to give you, just as partnered sex is that way, you know, the wham-bam, thank you, ma'am, is, is not really the full experience of you know, that kind of neurochemical bonding, euphoric kind of experience. So all of that can be done solo. The real pleasure is in that extended state of arousal. So if you stretch that out and you tease your body and you, you know, do what you love for a lover to do to you and do it for like half hour, that's an extended state of ecstasy, real pleasure. And the orgasm that comes at the You're end of edging that. edging yourself. Yeah. That'll blow your mind. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Does that give you a better idea? Yeah. Yeah. No, it does. Um, it's the after part that, that's the hard one because yeah. – I can get on board with what you're saying, but you still don't have someone to cuddle up with and like exhale. And yeah, yeah. can you find that sort of comfort without someone? Is that within yourself it, at all? It, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, it's easy for me to sit here and say, you just have to 
you just have to be grateful for yourself or you just have to fall in love with yourself. That's like an easy pat thing for me to say, but there's truth in that. There's truth in that. Mm -hmm. If you are, if you are walking around with, look, Buddhists say, uh, the root of all suffering is wanting things to be different than they are. So if you are walking around in your life wishing that you had a partner and feeling like this, you know, this would all be much better if there was someone else and there's something missing in my life and I and and my pervasive sort of perspective on my life at this point is that I wish it were different than it was because I wish somebody were here with me. That's tough. And um as we all know, you know, Things are much more likely to come into our lives when we let go of our attachment to them, you know, when we stop really focusing so much on that. So really, I think what happens is that once you stay present in that moment and anticipate that like on the back end of this, I'm, I'm, I'm likely to feel lonely. I'm likely mm -hmm. to feel the the void of another person next to me. And how do I be with that? How do I explore and make the aftermath of an orgasm that I've given myself? How do I change that experience just for now? It doesn't mean that I don't want a partner, but how do I not let that desire and that hunger for someone else invade that sweet moment of having been with myself? No, that makes sense. I, I like that way of looking at it. I heard you talking about on a podcast the three most important words that a woman can hear. And you describe the scene in um, Crazy Stupid Love where Ryan Gosling is shirtless and he takes Emma Stone back to the house and she asks him, you know, what's his move? How does he seduce women? And it's that he does the dirty dancing move. And just tell me a little bit more about about that example you used, because I that that scene is like just burned in my brain forever. So just having any reason to think about it, I thank you for. Yeah, I, know. I it's been I don't know I I think I haven't seen that film now in a couple of years, and and it's definitely time I could watch it over and I do watch it over and over and over. Yeah, it's a good yeah. One. So this great scene, right, where she she finally gets up the guts to like take him home to go back to the bar and take him home. Yeah. That dirty dancing move. And he, he says, I don't know why, but it always works. And she's like, that's ridiculous. And sure enough, they do it where she runs and he lifts her up over, oh. over his head. Right. And so twirls her around. Yes. And then she, and then he like lowers her and they kiss, you know, and it's just that move is the embodiment of a phrase, I got you. That's all that anybody really wants to hear, you know, is I got you. And, and, um, that's a, that's a form of presence and it's really a form of, I think, evolved masculinity or the essence of, of masculinity when you are, um, and you know, this can, this can, um, this can manifest itself in all genders and in all um, sort of equations. I mean, each of us has masculine and feminine energy, but when you are um, 
in a situation where you want to, and this is common for women during sex and during, you know, relationship in general, to want to be able to surrender to someone holding you, you know, holding you physically, holding you emotionally, holding you energetically. Um, and we want our partners to be able to do that. What happens because I feel like this is so many of my friends in their late 40s, early 50s who just are in content marriages but really don't feel any spark of attraction for their spouse anymore. They've been married 20, 30 years and it's sort of like I've seen it all, we've done it all, I don't really care anymore. Um, how do you take that and turn it into a fulfilling sex life and intimacy and connection when you're just feeling kind of like, eh? Well, the, the question is first to identify what the goal is. If you are in a marriage and you don't particularly, there isn't a lot of spark or there isn't a lot of attraction and we're okay with that, then, then so be it. You know, um, if people come to me, they're generally, they're, they're, they're not content, you know, they're not, they're wanting more, um, and they want to get that back. Many people who are empty nesters now all of a sudden have a sort of this new phase of life, uh, cause the kids are, are, you know, off at college and gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, there's a lot. I think we we start to um, take a look at you know sexual identity at this at this phase and where your body is and what your body's been through. And you know, for many men who many women who are menopausal, um, that's a whole new. There's a whole new relationship with your body. It's just not the way it used to be. You know, and mm. not not better or worse. It's just different. And um, and so then we start to to bring more um, more flirtation, more energy, more you know you can you can cultivate that kind of energy between you. You just have to be willing to do it and to. I often say that um, there are a couple things. One is prioritizing and scheduling intimacy. Like you don't have to wait for things to organically happen. And I get a lot of pushback from, from clients until at first, at least until they start to realize what this does. You know, my husband always says, uh, you know, we're scheduling an opportunity for spontaneity to arise. <laughs> like, spend time yeah. together, you know, spend time together and put the devices down and walk away from all the responsibilities and, and just focus on each other the way we did when we were dating. You know, mm -hmm. people, when we were dating, we scheduled sex. That's what we did. You know, can you, Friday, is Friday good for you? Mm. No, I have to be up at six at you know at six a.m. on Saturday. No, that's not great. Okay, how about Saturday night? Perfect. You know that's scheduling sex. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, starting to sort of look at all of those different areas of of like you know, leave notes for each other, 
smack his ass when you're walking past in the kitchen, you know, bring some of that life back in. Thank you, Zoe. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we finally were able to sit down and talk. It was great to to chat with you. Thank you, Jill. I love being here. Thank you so much for listening today. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you don't miss our next episode. And before you go, can I ask you a big favor? Could you just rate the podcast? Just give it five stars wherever you're listening. It really means a lot to me and to the podcast. And I'd be so appreciative if you could just do that before you go. Thank you very, very much. She's Got Issues is produced by me, Jill Smokler, Kira Shine, and Gwen Sound. You can follow us on Instagram at She's Got Issues Media and tell a friend because you know what? It's not just us. She's Got Issues too. See you next time.